let's begin episode 50. I'm just going to take it away from you and not even have you guess. Wow, that's a big number. It is a big number. A big... And that's 50 more than we did, you know, two years ago. Is ever was somebody getting shot outside? No, I'm just looking outside. I saw somebody walking by. Oh, okay. And people get shot here sometimes, so we had to make sure we weren't about to live a Zack Snyder movie. Yeah. Instead of just talking about one. Because it could happen. It does happen. You could get in a gunfight with somebody and, like, speed up, slow down, kick them. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying, it could happen. What, The Matrix was a great movie. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know, that's an excellent segue, Justin, because I wanted to ask you uh, if you had seen something Grant turned me on to, the reputed plot leak for Episode Eight of Star Wars. Oh, no, I saw you messaged me about that, but I forgot to check up on that. So what's going on with that? Do you want to fill us in here, since you sent it to me? No, why don't you give him the summary? Okay. Um, now, this is a rumor, so it, it could be untrue. But based on how tightly Episode 7 was a remake of Episode 4, I feel like this is probably more closer to accurate than not at this point, only because they have to remake Empire Strikes Back now. Yeah. So... In a, a twist of the... Um, a twist? A twist, a Shyamalan-like twist. You're going to love this. The rumor is that instead of like the no, I'm your father, Darth Vader thing, uh, Luke uh, has a, a conversation with Rey because everybody thinks like, oh, that's his daughter. That was the speculation. Mm -hmm. And he says, no, you're my father. To Rey? Yeah. As in what? Like... He's she's some sort of like Darth Vader reincarnation type dealio or yeah actually that's that's pretty much on the money. Is oh, it, remember how Anakin was the chosen one? Sure. So the chosen one gets reincarnated anytime there's an imbalance in the Matrix or sorry in the Force. See how I got them confused because the chosen one keeps showing up when there's an anomaly in the system. Hmm. So Ray is like the Medichlorians got together and decided to make another human being to, to balance the scales again. Yeah. Yeah. I really hope that isn't the case. But, you know, we'll see, I suppose. I, I did see one thing that, like, somebody dug up this old Star Wars comic and found, uh, like, Luke's spaceship or something, what it looked like. I'm not even joking about this. I forget where I saw it, but um, okay. <laughs> but they found like what Luke's spaceship looks like on like Wikipedia or something like that. Yeah, and uh, it apparently looks like the same ship that took off from uh, whatever desert planet Ray was on that isn't Tatooine. Jakku. Jakku. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, and, and Luke's the one who left her there. That's what people like. Ooh, it's all probably, but yeah, we'll see. It, it, it's extremely possible. I mean, positive things are that Benicio del Toro is apparently going to be one of Snoke's sub-Jedi Sith Lord guys. Who? Benicio del Toro. He's an actor. Guillermo del Toro. Oh, well, this is a different guy. <laughs> he was, uh, no, did you really. see Guardians of the Galaxy? Yes. You know, the collector who had all the rare shit? Yes. That's Benicio del Toro. Gotcha. Um He's a good actor, he's entertaining, and apparently he's going to take over Kylo's training because I guess Snoke's too busy being a puppet, a Jim Henson puppet. He, like, at least, 
I know we I well, I wasn't there for you know your guys' review, but he seemed like kind of a Wizard of Oz type figure. Like I was just waiting for like you know Kylo Ren to trip over like the curtain, like hiding Snoke behind there or something. And then it's Yoda. Something I, I don't An know. Evil Yoda. Evil Yoda. Yeah. It's like a different colored Yoda. It's like a blue one or something. Or Yoda's got a little Darth Vader outfit on, keeping him alive. Yeah. That would be George Lucas's approach. But that could be cool. Apparently, according to the spoilers article, Del Toro's character senses that Ren is full of hatred now, and he suggests that killing his own father was an act of matchless evil, and Snoke should be careful to trust him. Um... But okay. where, who is this leak from, or is it just like one of those internet leak rumor type things? Or? This is a compilation of all the rumors, but... Oh, okay. Look, the only place I've learned to trust is the Latino Review. Uh, okay. I, I wasn't aware that was... Uh... All their film leaks and rumors turn out to be true. And oh. I, I suspect that's because there are a lot of, frankly, Latino people in service jobs in California and in the movie industry. Mm-hmm. So... If the guy who's getting paid under the table to do craft services overhears something, you don't think twice about it. Mm. I think I remember reading that this leak came from Reddit. So I'm not discounting the fact that it might just be one giant troll job. Yeah, Reddit's never been wrong about anything. Right. They haven't. <laughs> just like 4chan identified the Boston bombers correctly within five minutes. Exactly. It was the guys on the roof. <laughs> That turned out to not be the case. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm more excited than this, than I was for the previous movie, because I like Benicio Del Toro. And I'm glad there's going to be some competent bad guys, maybe, instead of like, I need to be more evil, Grandpa. How do I do it? Mm. Maybe he can ask Ray, because Ray's his grandfather. This This is like the Futurama-like relation type thing with Fry going on here, I feel like. Oh, banging his grandma? Yeah, banging his grandma, so he's, a, his, he's his own grandfather or whatever. Yeah. And somehow that, like, makes him immune to, you know, the, the giant brains when they invade Earth. But now Ray is immune to the dark side? Sure. No, I mean, the only thing that really has to happen to her now is she has to lose a limb and get it replaced with a robot limb. That's, that's all that's missing. Mm. Maybe she can lose, like, a finger or something, just a, a little... Just a little, little bit. I'm uh, so surprised they didn't do that to Finn in his dumbass lightsaber duel with Kylo Ren. Well, he might still get some robot parts because at the end of the movie, he's all fucked up and knocked out. He got like slashed across his torso though, and his he got me- his shoulder got messed up. He didn't get anything hacked off. Maybe they'll have to amputate one of his arms. Mm-hmm. I don't know. John Boyega didn't post a Reddit to tell us anything, so. Maybe maybe the next movie will start on a snowy planet that isn't called Hoth. Cold planet? Well, no. Oh, wait. No, that's, that's the Rogue One trailer. I was thinking maybe planet be like chill. a tropical place with giant walkers there. but Planet Swarthy? Swarthy. Yeah. I don't know that one. You ever heard of like Swarthy Germans? It's, it's a word. Look it up. Okay. You can I'll, look I'll it trust up you. Later. Yeah. Interesting rumor. Yeah, we'll see. I mean... If true, hilarious. I mean, come November, they're probably going to have, like, in the previews for Rogue One, they'll have, you know, the Episode Eight trailer. 
Oh, yeah, I'm, they'd be stupid not to. They have to. That or just be like a week after it comes out or something. That or start putting in people from episode seven into Rogue One, like the woman who owns the Mayan Bar Temple planet. Is that going to be the release for all the movies, you know? Like, is it always going to be like late year, November, December type? Yeah, I think it's like the Christmas holiday time is where they're shooting for because all the kids are on break. Okay. And they're doing main movie anthology, main movie anthology, so... Gonna get one a year, basically. Yeah, okay. Could be good. Could be. Could be okay. Yep, gotta give Ray the red pill, though. Uh, maybe look at Zack Snyder to direct it. Smooth segue to our topic for today. I don't think it was. That wasn't That wasn't too smooth, I mean. Okay, let's go, let's wind the clock back and you, you segue. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to watch this, you know, with a... Uh... You know, a bunch of other guys or something <laughs> that leads into our movie, Watchmen. <laughs> All right, Justin. <laughs> I don't know if I can give that to you. Hey, you put me on the spot here. Like, I wasn't prepared. I'm going to watch it with some men. Okay. I, I couldn't think of anything, all right? It's, it incorporates the title. It's solid. Or, um, trying to think of a good pun. You're going to watch I, it with 300 men? I, I, I may watch it. No, no, no. Uh, I'd be... Ah, fuck, I can't think of a name with any of their, like, puns. Okay. Gonna watch it with men? Gonna go to the manhole later for a drink? See, that has too many, like, gay connotations to it. I'm trying to think of something with, like, Jupiter or, you know, Manhattan or, like... I... You're gonna drink in Manhattan while you watch it? Sure. Or it's like, oh, let me um, mix up a Manhattan and we can talk about our new, or the movie we watched this week. Ah. This is going down a horrible <laughs> path, all right? It is. It's not working out. But I, I think that what did work out was this movie overall. Uh, I, I didn't read the comic book first. I watched the movie before I read the graphic novel, which yeah. I guess is the compilation of the comic series, or am I wrong? Yeah, the, the graphic novel, um, I... I as I understand this, this came out over, you know, a period of, you know, a year or two or three, whatever. I'm not sure the time period it came out in, but it was, you know, put together in a graphic novel and released again. And that's the version most people read, I feel like. But Okay, yeah, that's the version I ended up reading because it was just like all one big mm-hmm. compilation. And I know that a lot of people are... I have problems with Zack Snyder. I think that's pretty evident. Um, yeah, some of the things, the Zack Snyder-isms came out in this movie a little bit, I feel like. Well, yeah, was this the first or second big movie he had? It was 300 before or after this? 300 was before, before this. Okay. That, so was, that was, was his first thing, That right? was like his practice run at doing comic book movies? Because that's really all he's done, if you, if you look at it. He may have had like little things before that, but nothing I know of that's big. I mean, you pull up IMDb, but... He did I, 300, he did Watchmen, then he did that... Uh, that sucker punch movie that um, didn't go anywhere. Don't remember that. The Man of Steel, or right. was it something between those? I yeah, I'm not sure. He did Man of Steel, and then he did the Batman versus Superman, and I guess he's supposed to do like every other movie in the DC universe that they're gonna do. Or okay, I think those are all comic book movies, though. I think Sucker Punch is a comic book, or it's based on one. Yeah. So that's his thing. Whatever. I mean, I'm not gonna be upset with him. 
like some nerds I remember seeing posting on the internet when the movie came out, like, uh, actually, Dr. Manhattan's uh, skeleton appeared next to the, the perimeter fence and the circulatory system appeared indoors. I mean, get your facts straight. Well, I mean, there were bigger issues with the theatrical cut. Like, they cut out a lot of, you know, oh, yeah, character scenes and, like... Important stuff. Yeah. People were so... I remember so upset about the minutia. Like, look at this comic panel. It's an exact recreation, but he got this detail wrong. There were a lot of shots in the movie, though, that were, like, direct comic panel, like, rips. And, I don't know, I kind of like that. Like, I, it's been probably more than, like, eight, more, eight or more years since I've read the comic book. Mm-hmm. But um, I still remember some of the, like, big scenes, like, you know, when Doc Manhattan's, you know, being fried and the skeleton of him. That, that shot of, like, the blue light in his skeleton. Like, I remember that being, like, a panel in the comic book and... The shot of, like, Rorschach, you know, hacking the dog. Like, there's a scene of just, like, the dog and, like, him, like, burning the hatchet into the dude's head and whatnot. And, like, him screaming, like, ah, not my fish, Which I thought was hilarious. Yeah, we saw this movie together, I remember. (laughs) (laughs) You laughed really hard when they took his mask off. (laughs) It's just totally hilarious. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, like, scenes that are ripped really well from the comic book. At least, and it's been a while since I've seen the theatrical cut and since I've read the comic book. So, like, I guess watching this now after I'm a little more removed from it, it's, I kind of see it as, like, a decent, pretty decent representation of, you know, what the graphic novel was, personally. Yeah. I changed my opinion, at least on the director's cut. The, the Black Freighter felt like a little extra bits in the movie that... I don't know if it was really needed, but... I can see why it was cut. Yeah. Certainly. Especially for theatrical, I know why. I can see why it was cut. Yeah, I, I definitely something that I would cut if I were the studio person, but... Mm-hmm. I think it's actually his best movie overall. And maybe... Well, when you're comparing it to... Right, and maybe that's not saying much, considering... Did he do 302, actually, now that I'm thinking about it? There was a 302? Yes. Okay, I didn't hear about that. I don't know. I actually... I don't think he did it. Okay. It doesn't sound like a project that somebody who had, like, a prestige name would be involved with. <laughs> Was uh, that straight to DVD? No, I actually saw it in theaters um, with one friend of ours who got, like, some pre-release tickets. And he's like, hey, you want to go? It's down at the theater near your place. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. Nice. Yeah. So I saw it, like, the day before, but that's... It was... It's what you would expect from a 300 movie. Horses riding along boats. Oh. Kicking people in the faces. A lot of speed up, slow down. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 100%. <laughs> but did they get the circulatory system correct? Is that seriously a complaint about? That is a complaint. Oh, wow. Aside from the other complaint that I believe Alan Moore drew the circulatory system, but uh, Zack Snyder appears to have put the nervous system on film, which is incorrect. I'm just imagining like they have to use like those Waldo finger extension devices to type in their keyboards because their hands have grown to like claws from all the like the fat pressing in. They haven't clipped their fingernails in a long time. And yeah, like, just reaching, <laughs> like, tapping with it the keyboard. Like, yeah, their their toes look like they're they're fucking rakes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just of all the shit to complain about with this movie. Yeah, that seems like. I mean, sure, you can complain about it, but it's it's like general movie shit people complain about, like, you know, flashes on a gun and the sound and whatnot and stuff like that. It's like, oh, 
This is one of those things, though, but, that it's it's so people are so attached to this particular thing because you know Alan Moore's stuff has always been really hard to adapt for screen. Mm. So like V for Vendetta, I think I think in just about every case, like the graphic novel is better than the movie version that comes out because they inevitably have to remove so much stuff or change so much stuff to make it fit into like the standard movie plot, you know, beginning, middle, end, which like a lot of his stuff doesn't go like that. So it doesn't like Watchmen, like you said, they cut a bunch of stuff out and I understand why people were upset about it, which is also why I think there's no point in comparing the graphic novel version to the movie version because no matter what you say, you're going to lose and there's really no point because the graphic novel is always going to be better. I almost take the movie as a separate thing. I think in this case, at least it was fairly close. Like at least going like watching this being removed from reading the graphic novel for a while, it kept the feeling of the graphic novel. I felt like, and I know they changed a bit of the plot with Ozymandias as, you know, Sort of doomsday kind of device thing, which is a little bit. It, I think is the obvious, <laughs> the the most obvious, biggest complaint that people probably have with this movie is that that they changed it from the alien squid monster thing into like he blows up a couple cities with like Doctor Manhattan infused nuke bombs. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like having like adding even another subplot about painters on an island making a giant squid monster would be a little confusing for even like you know the at least i watched the ultimate cut version dvd whatever like that would be even a little confusing for like most people that would pick up a dvd in a store or something like that even if it's like super fans in a movie i get you know it's a product context. of its time period i think yeah because i think the whole basis of them having the squid monster was he took the idea in the 80s that Ronald Reagan had said that, you know, if we've discovered there was a hostile alien life form, that all of our problems on Earth would just go away because we unite. Mm -hmm. And that is the whole genesis of the idea that Ozymandias wanted to create the monster and kind of do like the bait and switch on people, make them think there was an alien invasion. And that just doesn't resonate with people today because the 80s might as well be, you know, Stone Age now. It's like people don't have that long of a memory, I think. Yeah, yeah. But Reagan and whoever the Soviet guy was at the time—I can't remember—one of those losers both kind of said the same thing at like the same speech within a year of each other, saying that if there was a hostile attack from a race off the planet, like of course we would cooperate. You know, our our ideological difference means nothing compared to that. Yeah. And Adrian Veidt—I refuse to call him Ozzy Mendias because it's a fucking stupid name—says like pretty point blank, like okay, well, yeah. That's how you create like the the one peaceful world to save everybody is just to kill these people and make them think it's this because then they're going to cooperate against the whatever. Right, you do the Hitler playbook on a global scale. You yeah, just you make them the fear Reichstag. the other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the aliens burn another Reichstag, and now we got to take them out. Yeah, but it, it makes sense. I mean, I guess it's a bit better than Nazis because, like you're at least saying, it's like a alien race rather than like gypsies and Jews. Right. But I think that loses the impact of saying, like, hey, Dr. Manhattan killed everybody because... Shrug. Well, right, that, I mean, this is the thing about it. That's what I didn't like about it, is that they never gave any explanation about why 
Dr. Manhattan would have killed. Other than that, he got angry and teleported away, like... Yeah, but he, he gets, like, trolled in a proto-Fox News interview. Like, he, he gets, like, his ass kicked by ambush journalism and goes, leave me alone! And then... then That's his, reason for, like, blowing up, you know... Yeah, his retaliation is seven to or eight cities. wipe out all the major cities on Earth, like... Yeah, seems yeah. a little disproportionate <laughs> for a guy who is so unflinchingly logical throughout the rest of the movie, like, to the point where he just doesn't care about humanity. Well, the, the comedian says, like, you don't right. even fucking care about us, like, we're nothing well, to you. Well, yeah, I... That's what that's what my problem with like the whole like switching to you know not using aliens and using Doctor Manhattan because if he truly didn't care about humanity, then he wouldn't do anything. He wouldn't be like, oh, I fuck you, humanity. It's no, I have literally no connection to you. I could go off. He goes off to another planet and you know starts doing shit there because he cares so little about Earth. He doesn't care if you know they die or live. So why would he blow up everyone? But I guess it's a manufactured story that the public, you know, eats up saying, oh, this superhuman Dr. Manhattan blew us up, so we need to unite against him. He's got the blue balls. Yeah. Get it? Zack Snyder got it. (laughs) I don't know why people got so upset about that, but... Oh, I meant that he was telling What's-Her-Face, Silk Spectre Jr., like, you're my last connection to humanity, don't leave me. I guess literally she's the only reason he'd be interested in making sure the Earth didn't get nuked. Yeah. But she was safe on Mars. Right. At the time. He was so. actually kind of thinking that, like, okay, well, you could just teleport, like, the one or two people you really care about away from Earth and let them kill each other and send them back. <laughs> you could. Yeah. Could do a lot of things. Send to a nice place, you know, upstate Washington or something like that. He could get nuked. Could Well, send him to Cincinnati and we're like, seventh or eighth wave of nuclear strikes for the Soviet targets. I looked it up one time out of curiosity. They don't care enough about us, which is great. It just works for me. But uh, he could have put JFK's brains back in his body if you were really on, you know, on Was the ball. Was he... Uh, did, did he mm-hmm. have his accident by that point in time? Yeah, because there's a shot in the Bob Dylan infused trailer where he and jfk are shaking hands and that's a comic book panel Mm, okay and uh, they make a point of saying that uh jfk didn't want to intervene in vietnam lbj didn't want to intervene in vietnam and nixon's the one who's like hey go kill those vietnamese people yeah i speaking of that though i really that is one of the things i really liked about this movie the the intro sequence and all the um sort of flashbacks to the like all the heroes pass Mm -hmm. I, i just thought those were done really well and especially the intro sequence really brought you into the universe. It like sort of said like, oh, you know, this is by little things. It's like, oh, like, you know, Batman exists in this universe, but there's also superheroes and mass people. And there's like the Minutemen and they were influential in World War II and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, Batman is like a comic book person because they had like movie posters for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Batman's fake, but Owlman is totally real. Oh, he's different. It was Night Owl, though. But Whatever. <laughs> Same fucking difference. Yeah. I've got the Owl mode. I mean, Archimedes. Yeah, Rorschach was closer to... Yeah, Rorschach yeah. seems more like Batman fucking psycho wearing a mask going around <laughs> beating people up. But he didn't even try and, like, hide the fact that, like... Like, Batman at least, like, puts on an aura that he isn't a complete psychopath. But that's really what Rorschach's character does. It's just says, fuck you. 
I literally am like a psychopath. That's a great thing about this whole property franchise, whatever you want to call it, is that it's a a great satire of superheroes in general, or just basically every superhero that was in existence up up to that point where this, you know, Alan Moore wrote this. Um, And I like the fact that we talked about it, that the only guy with actual superpowers doesn't care about saving people at all. Mm-hmm. And actually leaves the universe at the end of the movie. Well, the galaxy, but same. Whatever. Difference. Like he goes to another plane of existence or some shit. I think uh, he goes to another galaxy to start life and play God on a planet or something mm-hmm. weird like yeah. that. But just like you're saying about like Rorschach, just, you know, Batman attitude on steroids. And same thing with the comedian. Like he enjoys killing people and. Yeah. Right. He's he very, very protesters. good at killing protesters and just the turns the whole idea of superheroes on their head because like at the that point, like the comedian and the other guy are acting as government sanctioned agents and they put down like protesters so they're you know, it's like in they're stomping on the values they're supposed to protect, like, you know, peace, justice in the American way or whatever is Superman sling yeah yeah truth justice in the american truth way. just yeah in the american you can tell i'm not really a big superman person but Zack snyder will change your mind about that <laughs> no he did, he did not <laughs> i'm glad they didn't change this like they did for the other um well i'm blanking on the author's name alan moore yeah the other uh alan moore adaptation everybody's familiar with v for vendetta right they changed that so much because his original thesis in V for Vendetta was literally Margaret Thatcher is a huge cunt. Yeah. Like, that was 90% of the comic. <laughs> it was. And they changed, she, like, the, the uh, fascist chancellor is her, is Thatcher. Mm-hmm. Drawn like her, looks like her, acts like her. And it's like, oh, let's make it some other guy. And let's, let's change the backstory a little bit. And now Britain's taken over by Nazis. All right. <laughs> I'm glad they kind of left all the 80s shit in there and didn't monkey around with it too much. I mean, it is alternative history, I guess, in that, like, the comedian killed Woodward and Bernstein, so Nixon never got busted. Right. But it's like a the most realistic take on that, I guess, you possibly could, aside from Nixon getting the, was it, 24th, 25th Amendment repealed? Yeah. Something Which like one was the, that? The one that says you can't serve more than two terms as oh, president. Oh, okay, okay. Because, you know, the Nixon wins third term is Yeah, one of the that was like one of the intro things, yeah. yeah. Tricky dick. Tricky dick. Tricky dick. I thought the guy that got the plan was funny as fuck. Oh, yeah, he was actually pretty funny. I like how they, um... I can't remember if this was in the, the graphic novel or not, but the whole scene in, like, the, uh, the Doctor Strange Love-esque room... The, like, oh, nuclear the, bunker. Yeah, yeah, the, like, the situation room thingy. yeah. It was Doctor Strange Love, I think, was exactly what they were going for. Yeah. The big circular table and shit. Yeah, with like the black room <laughs> and then like the lights right focusing on the table with all the generals and whatnot. And that one general's like, oh, it wouldn't be so bad. I mean, all the people on the East Coast are going to die, but we can still grow corn. Not, not that bad, all things considered. <laughs> and Henry Kissinger's like, oh my God, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm pretty sure we have like a... <laughs> 54% chance of wiping out the Ruxkies before, you know, they retaliate. It's like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> That's why I can stop thinking of Billy West's impression of Richard Nixon. Yeah. <laughs> the whole time. Yeah, Nixon's a weirdo, though. Especially at the end where 
doc, doctor in Manhattan is killing everybody in the cities, and he's like, Jesus Christ, Henry, why, why didn't know about this? It's like, oh, it isn't the Russians. Yeah. <laughs> Should have said it's a giant squid monster. Yeah. I think the reason why they didn't do that is because they just probably couldn't find a way, one, to make the squid monster relevant to people today, that they would get the idea behind that. And two, I, th- I don't think they could have done it in a way or they didn't find a way to do it that didn't look goofy on screen. Because translating things from a comic book panel to the screen, like I'm sure there's tons and tons of examples we can call up. It doesn't always work out very well. No, I think that Zack Snyder is one of the people who actually gets the visual right. It's just that the other like storytelling part is where he completely fails. But visually, I think he's pretty good at making things look like the comic. But the squid monster looked pretty goofy, weird in the comic. Oh, yeah. I know yeah, it would be like a CGI shit fest to do it. But otherwise, I mean, as far as like the, I don't know, the visual tone or whatever, he, he gets that pretty right. There are some complaints I have about like things he does. Like the, the fight scene with um, Night Owl and Silk Spectre against like the gang members. In the alley? Yeah. Okay. Like, I forget what it was being cut with, because it was, like, switching back and forth between two different scenes during the fight. But, like, I don't know. Something about that fight just felt like, I don't know. It, it felt kind of just, like, choreographed. I mean, it, it was, but, like, I don't know. When it, like when I'm, like, sitting there watching a fight scene, all I can think about is, like, you know, the celery crack, you know, sound effects that are going on. It's, like, you, you haven't really worked well in that fight scene, I feel like. They're, they're cracking celery next to a microphone somewhere. Yes, that's exactly what they do. Okay. Yeah, I've seen the videos where they smash pumpkins with snow shuffles and everything to get the sounds. Like, Yeah. I don't have a problem with it. I think that's... Is that cut against Dr. Manhattan's disastrous interview with the ABC talk show guy? Mm, it might be. I, I can't remember. I Whatever. All I remember about that entire sequence is they put the 99 Red Balloon song in there, which is about nuclear war being caused by a UFO. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, it's in German. But if you translate it out, yeah, it's like the, the Russian dumbass system detects a UFO and thinks it's like an American plane. And then they send all the nukes? Yeah, which almost happened in real life. It was like an airplane or something, and it was like, oh, it's the computer's like, we should launch, and one of the Russian guys didn't want to turn the key, and that's the only reason they didn't. Yeah, it was, the story's like... Uh... It's not. It wasn't a plane. It was like some like cloud top reflection or whatever that looked like apparently like some early warning type uh, sign for a nuclear launch from the Americans and the one Russian like low army guy is just like eh, let's wait and see a minute because I'm not really sure about this ca- causing you know worldwide destruction thing right now. Yeah. But then how would Metro 2033 become a successful novel series? Well, it wouldn't become a successful novel series because we'd be living it in real life. Yeah, man. Do you know I actually know somebody in real life who thinks that it would be exciting to have a nuclear war because then it would be like Fallout and you can trade bottle caps? Um, does that person have a poop sock? No. <laughs> no, I'll <laughs> tell you who it is off air, but... <laughs> When he said that to me one time, I was just like, oh, my God. I really want to take you to, like, a lab and get your chromosomes counted. Just get them sterilized. Because something's wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, whatever, you know. Uh, 
But I think one of the things that really threw me off when I saw this movie the first time was that when they get to the, like the the penultimate like master plan reveal, yeah, like he Adrian Vite pulls Doctor Manhattan apart with a copy of the machine that killed him in the first place or mm-hmm. decompiled him. Yep. But Doctor Manhattan like then comes back as a giant and wastes the time to try and grab him with his hand when he's shown teleporting people around before. Like, hey, Silk Spectre Junior, let me teleport you here. Let me teleport you to your mom's house or TV people get away from me. Couldn't he have just like teleported Adrian Vite into the sun, or like three hundred feet in the air? I'm like, see you later. Well, he didn't want to kill him. Could well, he could have teleported him like to Mexico or something then? Well, I mean, I think it was the whole thing, you know, he he can see his future, but he can't change it. So, like... But can't I thought he couldn't see his future, and that was the whole point that... Well, he couldn't see his future up to a point. Like, he couldn't see past when, you know, the Manhattan bombs went off or whatever. Yeah. And then after that, he's like, oh, okay, it's clear now again. Um, I know what he needs to do. And I'm like, whoop. And then he teleports to Antarctica and goes about that plot line. But, like, he already, like... He already sees himself maybe getting destroyed and then like coming back or whatever. I don't know. It's one of those things that seems like he sees time and he can't change it. He just has to go along with the decisions as they happen, which I don't know. Okay. It always just struck me as weird that he has all that ability and couldn't just at least kill him to make sure he never did anything like that again. Well, it could be that he just, you know, sees his future of understanding his reasoning and then it's like well okay well i should listen to him then i don't know the, the whole thing of him seeing his future just seems like a really fuzzy plot thing up until the point like when he can actually see his future up until the point where it's like fuzzy from the tachyons and the the bombs going off it just seems like mm, kind of a weird thing to go with in a story like this where he could be preventing something but he can't or he literally can't. He can see it, but he can't do anything about it. Can't do anything. Nothing matters. Kind of. I mean, Might that's really like what he goes about. Like, he's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure there will be a nuclear war. Um, that's really the only thing that could, you know, blur my vision. Yep. It's like, well, we have to stop. It's like, well, we can't because it's, it's already a thing. It's not like I can change it. Can't do anything. Nothing matters. Yeah, it's... I've read some, like, series where it's like, oh, people can see into the future, but if they tell anybody, then, like, it'll be sure to happen. But if you don't tell them, I can't remember what series it was, but there was some book series I was reading in where, like, that was one of the plot lines. It's like, oh, like, this person can tell you, like, you should really, like, go help this guy out because reasons. Can't tell you. Something bad might happen or might not, you know. Can't tell you what'll happen because if I tell you, then it will really happen. I don't know. Okay, clearly James Cameron was assassinated by the comedian in this universe. He never made Terminator. Yes. Otherwise, they would have just figured all this shit out already. Yes. They would know if they can change the future. Or not, I guess, depending on how many Terminator movies you watch. Just go down the rabbit hole and nothing matters. I'm, I'm just saying, they seem, they they changed their mind on that one, too. Well, yeah. Well, the latest one they said... You, it really just is something inevitable and you can't change it, right? The Yeah. Judgment Day or whatever. Well, Judgment Day's inevitability comes up, I believe, in the third one. Yeah. But then they 
stop it again. Yeah, but of. in Salvation, I, it's like no matter what you do in the various timelines, like this shit keeps happening. So clearly something keeps going wrong because mm -hmm. there's always Terminators for some reason. So I guess maybe that's Dr. Manhattan's philosophy having... So I, I never got, did he see only his own future like in a deterministic forward pattern or did he see like all the possible futures going with the quantum shit? I thought he just saw his own future pretty much in a straight line. Okay. Is what I understood it as. So I think this is probably written before that quantum multiverse thing was popularized as a theory. Yeah, possibly. That would make sense. Because I think that somebody who has like his level of detachment from reality would be looking at all the possibilities. Because he's moving molecules around like he's frying eggs. What's her face throws a, a can or something through his head and breaks the TV and he just fixes it like, yeah. <laughs> And there's like four of them walking around while they're having an argument. Like, I'm going to teleport the reactor to Karnak now, Adrian. Watch out. While he's like, you know, trying to have sex with, you know. Yeah. Wife? Girlfriend? I don't know what their relationship was. I guess girlfriend. Girlfriend. No, it's it's girlfriend because I think he gets married to the woman who later seems like she has cancer. Je Jeannie? Jenny? Yeah. From the lab. Mm -hmm. And then he starts banging Silk Spectre Jr. on the side, and his wife's like, what the fuck? You're chasing jail bays. Bullshit. And he's like, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, I didn't think you'd be mad. <laughs> By the way, you caused my cancer. And I mean, you do, you do look kind of old. I mean, you're right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, you know, she asked me if it's because she's getting older or something. He says, yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's like really showing like the detachment of me, Mandy. It's like... But then why is he interested in banging anybody? What does he care? I, I think he still had a bit of humanity at that point. But couldn't he just rearrange her molecules to make her younger? I think that generally ends with like people exploding. Like Rorschach. Like what? Rorschach and all the gang members he like just... I thought he was microwaving them. I don't know. I always thought he like rearranged them just to like make their insides out or something to like that. To be gore? Yeah. Just made him into Gibbs? Pretty much, like okay. Quake style. All right, I'll buy it. I don't know, I'd, I'd never had really explored that. Every time I watched the movie, though, that question was back up in my mind. Just like Midget Cigar Man, like, hey, saw other guy's arms off. Like, you could just saw the bars, and then you'd have two thugs left. <laughs> yeah, I never understood that <laughs> point either. But it still made for, like, a badass line. It's like, we'll see the score after this, Rorschach. It's like, yeah, 1-0. <laughs> Yeah, true. So it was worth it. But I mean, like, if this was pretty funny, it's like, sorry, man. <laughs> if Midget Master's been planning his revenge for so long, it's like, a, he doesn't seem like the person with a lot of foresight. No, because he, he can't see very far. Is he short? Well, he's, he's in prison, so that tells you about <laughs> his, you know, acumen there. Yeah. I do like how Rorschach murders him, though. That's great. The whole part of Rorschach being in the prison really translated well from the comic book i felt like because like there were the scene with like the deep fryer and your like your favorite scene with the fry later yeah that's i don't know that was just hilarious and like his little like speech afterwards about being locked in here with him instead of the other way around i don't know that felt like it translated really well from you know book to screen yeah whoever they got to play roshak did a good job i don't even know his name i haven't seen him anywhere else either then again, I there aren't seen a, a lot, lot of, of roles people. for 
ginger characters outside of Harry Potter and, you know, Watchmen. You always get your hair dyed. Yeah. Almost the kids in Harry Potter, some of them had their hair dyed. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, this doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> he could be anybody, but I don't know, maybe he's a stage actor. I didn't recognize a lot of people in this movie, though. I recognized a lot of the background characters. Well, the comedian, he's been in a couple different things. I think somebody called him like the poor man's Robert Downey Jr. like a couple years ago because they look so similar. But what else has he been in? Yeah, uh, he is actually in The Walking Dead right now. He is like the chief bad guy or something who has like the baseball bat. Oh, okay. He does look familiar. Right. That. That's and he's been in a couple other movies, like some horror movies in the last couple years. So he, I mean, he's he's had a career and. Uh, the guy who's Dr. Manhattan, I know, is he's been an actor for a long time. He's been doing stuff. But there's a lot of... And then uh, the uh, Night Owl. The younger uh, one or the older one? Or the, younger, okay. the younger one. He's been in a ton of stuff. I guess they just don't look familiar to me. Yeah. I, I, they weren't familiar to me until I saw their names. I was like, oh, yeah, okay, this, like, this guy, I know where I've seen that guy before. But I think they did a really good job of not calling too much attention to that kind of thing in this movie because this is the kind of movie I thought where, or the kind of like just generally property where usually it's a star power thing, which I think is another smart decision they made here. And they went with uh, relatively under, under known, shall we say, actors and actresses versus getting like Ben Affleck to be the night owl or something. Yeah. I think they sort yeah. of added to it because, you know, a lot of these people were just, you know, guys who felt like being vigilantes and putting on masks and trying to clean up the streets. So they were supposed to be unknown people that just had what they had at their disposal and tried to kick people's asses. Right. And it's it it would be a lot different of a movie if like, you know, you had Henry Cavill was Dr. Manhattan or whatever. and <laughs> Yeah. It could still happen. They could remake it. They could. I feel like... You have to wait another 20 years for them to remake the remake. They could get Joss Whedon to make it, and you could have them equip each other. Nah, he's mm. he's got too much of that Avengers money now. He doesn't need to do anything he doesn't want to do. I'm calling it. He's going to remake it, like, in 15 years. Uh, I doubt it. I don't think it'll be Joss Whedon. Hope not. You can hope. But He'll be remaking Buffy in the quips 10 years. Will get you. I, like- I feel like any I feel like this is one of those things where they have to like follow you know the text on page relatively closely or else you know it would just be a shit fest. Possibly, but I mean, you would think that about a lot of things, but then you'd actually be surprised. Well, I I feel like this is like, you know, this isn't, this is like, yeah, about the characters, but it's also, you know, the story and the times and all that stuff just melded together, which makes it like important rather than like, you know, say Batman or Spider-Man, like you can take like bits and pieces from their lore and like stick them together in a movie rather than like following, you know, a particular, you know, series of comics for Spider-Man or, you know, Batman or something like that. Like you can take bits and pieces from like the Dark Knight in order to make, or the Dark Knight Returns. Wait, yeah, Returns. Is that what the the yeah. book is? Okay, um, and then make that into you know, the Dark Knight. It doesn't have. It's not one for one, but 
you can take bits and pieces, whereas this one, it's like you kind of need to take the whole of it or the near whole of it in order to like get the same impact. Just because they are, this isn't like Batman or Spider-Man or Superman where everyone knows these characters. It's very much a one-off story where, you know, their backstory and everything that they do and you know about these characters is contained within that. And having a Night Owl spinoff movie isn't going to bring people to theaters because, like, who the fuck is this shit? Right. No. The, the mythology's not there. Yeah. I think you can leave the skeleton. You have to leave the skeleton the same, but I will guarantee you that if you wrote up a script where the Watchmen team up to fight climate change instead of Richard Nixon... That's you, already been made. It's called Captain Planet. Yeah, that's my point. You could probably get it made under the guise of something else. Mm-hmm. I mean, at that point... I who are you really trying to get in the theater? There is a movie coming out called The Emoji Movie that takes place inside of a smartphone that's about emoji. So the little pile of shit and the smiley face are going to be characters. But well, I feel like, yeah, that'll bring people... they've done to... that before. They've done stuff like that before. And... I, I know. Wait, my... What was that? Sh- Reboot. Reboot yeah. did that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying, though. Like, there's just phenomenally weird shit that happens, and... I just don't. I firmly disbelieve that. I just you don't have see like a... why you would want to cash in on the Watchmen <laughs> characters. Like they aren't well known enough to like be able to like. Oh, let's make you know a feel good spin off movie about them. Yeah, but like, if, you, if you wait a few years, people are going to even forget this movie happened. So now they're unknown again. So you can just do whatever. I don't think individually the characters in this movie have enough depth to each warrant like a separate property, and I think that's the point. Well, they don't really have any depth in the comic either. Yeah, the depth they have is contained within the comic. Like, I agree with Justin. I mean, I just don't think there's any... You can't separate Night Owl or whomever from this standalone story. Yeah, like, they need to be in this world of, you know, dystopia 80s sort of world with, you know, three-term Nixon, you know, protests in the streets and whatnot. Like, they need to live in that world in order for their characters to remain relevant, unless you want to, like just completely ruined their characters, which I actually think when this movie came out, I saw a YouTube video of if Watchmen was an 80s or 90, early 90s comic book cartoon with like that sort of cheesy intro where they're like dancing around and whatnot and super colorful. And it would be totally like what you're talking about right now where it's yeah, just you like look at this and it's like, no, 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 no. That's not how Night Owl should like spider- that's not what Rorschach would do. It's he wouldn't be dancing on a disco floor. Like, right. like Spider Man yeah. and his amazing friends. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that another one of these guys' works that must be taken as a whole was substantially changed for V for Vendetta. Mm, that's true. But you're never gonna see V from Vendetta too or like a separate standalone story no, I, about not, uh, the girl or I'm whatever. I'm not saying make a standalone yeah. or a sequel. I'm saying you could remake quote unquote the Watchmen and just keep the skeleton the same but move the story. You don't need to have dystopian eighties, you can change it to something else. I'm more than confident someone's eventually gonna get around to it. Well, I'm just gonna go right to the bottom line and the financial stuff is that this movie I don't think made nearly as much money as they wanted it to, so I just don't see them being interested in doing it again. I think that yeah. they would Because they made their money back but not by much by Plus, movie I think standards. Alan Moore was actually pretty angry at the at least a theatrical release. I mean, I'm sure well, he hey, always gets angry. Sucks for him. He signed the paperwork. Yeah, he always gets a stick up his ass about anything he like, you know, sells off. So, yeah, but I mean, 
Warner Brothers could make like a, a orgy X-rated porn movie starring the Watchmen. They own all the shit. Alan Moore can just cry into his millions of dollars, <laughs> wipe his tears with new hair at Tubman twenties. Like, but he's right. He's he is right. His point was not that like he just was being a you know sour puss and didn't want anybody touching his stuff. It's just he said that these things aren't made to be made into a movie, and that's the way he created them. And I think he's right. Is you know they had to chop up and cut out the source material to make it fit into that kind of storyline that a movie requires. Mm -hmm. Like, I think the best movie that they've done that adapts a work of his was that uh, From Hell movie with Johnny Depp about the Jack the Ripper stuff. Like, I thought that that was the, the best Alan Moore movie that I've seen. But B for Vendetta, this, they had to do some significant changes yeah, and I agree that you probably have a hard time adapting no, these. But I get why he's upset stories. about that then, because you know, they make significant changes to the work just to make it fit inside a, a box that they have, and that's you know it's kind of turning it into a different work. That's yeah, but look, unless Warner Brothers sent masked goons to his house to hold a gun to his head and say, "Sign the contract, we're going to blow your brains out, Alan," I, I think his complaints kind of fall flat because if he knew this was going to happen, then why on earth would you sign your works over? For the money, and then he, so yeah. he could just go back afterward and say, I mean, if we're being completely, you know, jaded and whatnot here, we can say, oh, he signed it for the money, knowing that he can always go back later and say, oh, the movie was shit to keep, you know, the fans, like the comic fans, like the hardcore comic yeah. fans that he's gathered over the years to say, like, okay, yeah, Alan Moore thinks this movie's shit too. Like, I'm going to keep reading his stuff. Well, I, I hate to be jaded, but I I think it's like Simon Pegg bitching about Star Trek, the people who like the Star Trek movies being, or sci-fi fans are man-children, <clears throat> and then... Fuck him. Getting, yeah, he's getting paid like $10 million for his script credit and screen appearance in Star Trek Three. It's like, you're getting fucking paid to do the thing you're complaining about. You know, Alan Moore, people never make my comic books right. Here, let me, don't trip over your fucking shoelaces on the way to cash your check, asshole, like... You're going to come back and whine about how shitty the movie was while you're on the computer you bought with the money? Well, I mean, I don't think he's... Or I guess From Hell came out after this, didn't it? What? Did From Hell come out the movie? No, From on? Hell is like in 2001. Okay. So, I was thinking if like there was another thing that was based on his work that came out Are after you thinking this. of Drag Me to Hell? Was that it's it? got a similar title. It's nothing to do with him. But right. It's well, I mean, title. I was just talking about the one Grant. Was... I wish sometimes this was a horror podcast because we could talk about that because that's actually a very original movie. There's it's a no, good movie. There's no fucking like, comic book that they ripped it off from. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a funny movie. I like it. <laughs> but uh, but uh, From Hell is like an old comic book movie. It's, it's, not, yeah. it's not the 90s ones, but it's like the... The ones that X-Men kicked off where they start to try to take it more seriously. Mm-hmm. But it's not even really a comic book movie. It just happens to be like it's a kind of suspense, thriller, murder, horror story, you know, that just happened to be... based on a graphic novel. Right. It, it could have been a novel, like a normal novel. Mm-hmm. It just happened to have, you know, artwork. Mm-hmm. So, okay. But QED, my point. Ah, uh, Watchmen's no good. V for Vendetta is no good. But um, I, I'm just saying, does, has he sold any more rights to his, you know, comics? I would imagine he's sold know. a lot of them, but it's what the studio chooses to, you know, take out of the stuff they bought from him. Mm, okay. So it's like they, I guess they bought his library and we're like, oh, okay, well, From Hell, we'll, we'll, we'll try that. And Watchmen and V for Vendetta, like, we'll, we'll do those. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't know. It's just like you're going to pick which room in your 50-room mansion to cry in, like do a different one each day. I like, don't think know. he's making that much money. I mean, it. he's probably made enough money right. that he can retire comfortably right. somewhere. But, but I, mean, it's, I mean, he's not obscenely wealthy or anything. And I get that, yeah, it is a little hypocritical to take the money and then complain. But I see it as complaints more like, you know, because he's obviously not involved in the creative process of making the movie. They rarely extend that courtesy to a writer. So, I mean, I think that that's the, the basis of the complaint really is that, hey, I gave him this property to do something good with. And that, you know, they proved me right that people can't make a good movie out of the things I've written. But, it you know, hell, it's not going to stop him from trying, right? Because there's money at stake. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But everything I've read about his complaints just seems like he's acting like he called his shot. Oh, he is a fucking curmudgeon, no doubt yeah. about it. I mean, like, he's just, like, his whole demeanor just gives off the air of, like, you know, don't approach him at a comic book convention, which he doesn't even do, so. But he's, it's, it's yeah. like he acts like he's prescient, like, oh, I know it was going to suck. Oh, I was only pretending to be, you know, retarded. I was just trolling you the whole time. It reminds me of that image macro, like, haha, yeah. I, f- I fooled you. I was merely pretending to be retarded. And like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but that's how, you know what, that's how a lot of artists are, and I think people, like, they come off as assholes, like, then I think you just have to accept it. Like, that he's going to be an asshole, but turn out great work and complain about shit. And I think he's a great it. comic writer. He's a very talented writer, but it, you just if you quote-unquote know it's going to suck, don't sign the paperwork, dude. Keep making comics. You know, let, let Zack Snyder direct Batman v Superman and ruin that. Like, that, let him go do that. Well, it's just like Frank Miller. I mean, I think he's probably the closest and to Alan Moore for like guy who's licensed most stuff yeah. uh, of his individual works. He's mm-hmm. prolific on that level too. Right. And like 300, I think he had no reason to complain cuz that was a great movie. I liked it a lot. It was very faithful. But then he's had some other stuff that he's people have made movies out of that like uh what is it? The Spirit. Yes. Which was so so bad. And then he was bitching about that because he thought they did like a terrible job at it and stuff. Well, I don't really feel that sorry for him because it was right. You're saying it was his decision to yeah. let, let it go, but he's still gonna bitch about it because that's it's his right. He's to the bitch creator. About it. It's, it's yeah. certainly his obligation to do that as the. But creator. he did take the check. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like my argument with Simon Pegg. You cash the check, man. You, you you're a sellout. You can't complain about that. Well, I think Simon Pegg's on a different level of trader dumb. I mean, because not only is he taking the money, he's also in he's the also creative process right. He's like, in the creative process, and he's he's insulting the fan base, like telling them, "Hey, all like," and he's shitting on all the stuff that came before too. It'd be like if some guy took Alan Moore's source material and started writing it differently. So everybody, you know, did, it was like Fast and the Furious Watchmen or something and would shit all over Alan Moore's stuff. That's what I think Simon Pegg is doing. Yeah, at least Alan Moore is, I guess, consistent and he's very much for saying, oh, hey, the comics are always going to be better than the movies. And like, he hasn't really wavered in that. And it's not like after he sold his shit, he was deeply involved in making movies like Simon Pegg was. I don't know. I just give Frank Miller more credit on that point because he has complained and he has sold a lot of stuff, but he's also complained about, like, when I wrote The Dark Knight Returns, I never intended to have Batman's default demeanor become, like, a tortured, crazy guy. Like, I was trying to do something new. I was trying to take Batman from, like, the Adam West with the giant styrofoam bomb running down the train tracks to something more (laughs) serious. 
And now it's like, oh, Frank Miller is such a great idea. Every Batman's sad. Every Batman's suicidal. Every Batman secretly wants to avenge his parents' death by stopping the criminals. And he's crazy. He's nuts. Right. If Batman's not grimdark, he's not Batman. No. Right. And yeah. it's like that comes to a complete head in the, the, uh, Zack Snyder again, his latest movie with Batman v Superman, because they're bringing together two different plots where it's like the Dark Knight Returns where Ronald Reagan in, in the fucking comic orders Superman to go kill Batman because Batman refuses to take his orders. It's literally Ronald Reagan. <laughs> and then they're meshing that with the death of Superman, which Superman fights a giant retarded mutant blob monster, and they jam those two stories together. It, it doesn't work, but I can see why Frank Miller would have the right to complain about that because not only are they taking his grim Batman to an extreme... They're putting it with something that has nothing to do with it and just, like, smashing action figures together in front of a camera. Mm-hmm. That's why I think he has a legitimate complaint versus, let me cry in my fort made of money, Alan Moore. <laughs> because, you know, they messed up some details on his movie and... Because the circulatory system should appear inside and the, the muscles should be outside the fence. Can't believe but, they made that mistake. Yeah, people who criticize that shit are just retarded. I mean, that's... <laughs> but, I mean, there like, are, <laughs> like, legitimate criticisms, especially with the theatrical release, that cut out a lot of stuff. On top of that, the big plot point changing where it's Dr. Manhattan. No, like, no, no. I mean, people who criticize, like, the, the minutiae. Like, yeah, there's yeah. justifiable about, complaints. Like, like, or the people, like, when you, you know, they watch Star Trek VI, they, they bitch about, there's forums where they bitch about how, like, oh, it's just the engine room's just a redress of the next generation set and all that. They couldn't even make a... St- like, okay, they changed the computer panels. They, you know, they changed everything else. You know, yeah, it looks a little similar. Maybe that's a plausible, you know, that's fucking stupid. Like, it doesn't have anything to do with the movie, really. It was clever how they had people stand in front of the key components, though, so you couldn't identify them. Yeah. Yeah. That's smart movie making. I think, yeah, I think it was smart. And, you know, they're, they're working on a budget. You think you get credit for smart movie making. But see, what happens when you have an unlimited budget is you get just. It's what I always say. It's having constraints makes people more creative. Sometimes you get good stuff. Like Empire Strikes Back when Fox opened the money taps for George Lucas. Okay. But I mean, New Hope was still good, even though the special effects were very pulled back, I guess, in that movie. I guess. Like... Well, I mean, they were great, awesome. but a lot of the things were very simple kind of tricks and he's, whatnot. He's right, though. Like, the, the difference between, like, the, the ships flying and the lightsabers, especially between New Hope and Empire. And New Hope looks good, but Empire Strikes Back is, like, a different level of and good. I, yeah, if well, you look at the original cuts of those, like, right. you'll see, like, New Hope, wow, like, some of these things look a little weird. Like, you can tell sometimes they're miniatures. The lightsabers look, like, a stick, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, and, like, yeah, if you watch Empire Strikes Back, and it's like, whoa, that's I, an upgrade. I don't think like, that's just a matter of budget, though, on that one, because they had they created new technology to make that movie. But and, that cost money. Right. But the re, the change from episode four to five, I think, is more a result of that technology evolving and actually becoming institutionalized with, you know, ILM, things like that, rather than just like, ooh, they gave them more money. Because by today's standards, the amount of money that they opened up to them on Empire Strikes Back... It's a pretty negligible difference, actually. Well, they were just really good at making things on a budget. I'm not saying it's like there's a. There's, I'm comparing it to like the quarter billion dollar Avengers movies these days. I'm just saying that sometimes giving people more money doesn't lead to disaster or making their budget unlimited by the standards of somebody who's used to working with like a micro budget. 
doesn't always lead to disaster. Sometimes it leads to something great. Sometimes you get Empire Strikes Back. But then other times you get, you know, V for Vendetta, which was a large budget movie that shouldn't have been. I just, I think it's the preponderance is that the bigger the, the bigger matrix. the budget the, the what the matrix all, I was right the, example. the bigger the budget like the more spectacular they try to make it it's usually they they fall on their faces yeah. Oh, yeah, because usually. it's like they they just overdo it yeah well, but i mean you can say the same thing about micro budgets too like there are a lot of you know films with small you know sub million dollar budgets that also fall on their faces but i mean they just get swept under the rug because they're never really picked up as you know good movies or Right, but that's a different reason than than failing because you have a huge budget. It's like because yeah. if you have a yeah, tiny I mean, budget, you just you don't get noticed. It's like yeah, but like the thing with yeah. a huge budget, like <clears throat> if you're halfway through making the movie, it's a, a death march at that point because you're like, well, we have to finish this movie. We know it'll suck, probably Batman or Superman, but we have to market the shit out of it and like try and make our money back at that point. Like, whereas like a micro budget film, you might just say, oh well, let's just cut our losses at you know. 100k thrown away so but i think the expectations are different though like if james cameron had somehow fucked up titanic after he spent all that money building a titanic in the baja studio yeah like that would be so much more egregious than somebody fucking up uh super that movie that was like a three million dollar budget mm-hmm. with dwight from the office in it I-, I think that the expectations are calibrated a little differently yeah. If you fail on a small movie, it's like, mm, well, okay, but you didn't have that much to work with. If you fail on like a huge Titanic scale movie, it's like, how did you fuck that up? How did that go so wrong? <laughs> or Batman v Superman, like, but I mean, how a... did that go so wrong? <laughs> well, I'm just when I look at it through the lens of sci-fi movies, which this that's the point of this podcast. It's like most of the great sci-fi movies that I see are movies that are made on a limited or you know somewhat cautious budget right like i think there's a great movie that they made in 1979 uh called alien that we reviewed and that was done on a very small budget well, I mean, you can say that about Alien, Terminator, the first right, Star Wars. Exactly. Like, a lot of those things exactly. had, you know, reeled-in, constrained budgets. And and the constraints make people more creative, I think, because then they have to invent new ways of doing things on, on the cheap, or they have to invent new technologies that, you know, are potentially disruptive because they're not as good as, like, maybe the CGI or whatever that might have been available, but they create an effect that is comparable to that. Like, I think of Star Trek Two. it's like, it's the first movie with a CGI sequence, and that costs a lot of money, but I think the model work is what really sells the space battles in that movie. Like, they could have done some shit with CGI in there, because the technology was there, but they chose not to. Probably because it was too primitive then, but also because, you know, hey, they didn't have the money, so they made it work. I think film-making yeah. culture is also different, though, especially in sci-fi. Yeah, it's all about explosions and guns and, you know, fast and furious cars. Well, I'm saying that it's now a tendency more towards spending your, your time and your energy making a spectacle rather than telling a story. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily it's the like Star that. Trek Beyond phenomenon. Yeah, it, but I don't, I don't know if the budgetary constraints are the only thing at play there because I think that even if you gave the people who made Wrath of Khan like 
10 times more money, they might have still made the same film. Ah, but we ran that experiment, and it didn't happen. No, no, no. <laughs> I, but just a, a different set of people. I'm saying if you went back in time and said, hey, your budget's 10 times what we told you it is, I still think you might have gotten the same movie because the people who were making those were, frankly, nerds who love Star Trek. Well, yeah, and they have a lot of skills and stagecraft and things yeah. that are have or are being lost now because you know the practical effects are going away and people don't do models anymore and stuff because it's easier to do it on a computer and and they don't do real stunts anymore because they don't want to insure people. Yeah, no, I get it. I just I think that there's yeah. a, a cultural shift, like the heart's gone, or the heart. I don't know if it's gone, but it's right. moved to a different place. The I just I just think that if they gave people less money today to do a sci-fi movie, they would come out with a better result. And I just yeah, I mean, like I, an analog to me would be in like the action adventure genre, where like you compare a movie like uh, Live Free or Die Hard, or you know. What's the other one? A good day to die hard. Like, yeah. ooh, like they're supposed to be big budget action movies, and they're like selling on Bruce Willis, but they totally suck because it's just like they they spent all this money on nothing basically. And then you take a movie like I saw this little independent movie a couple years ago called Blue Ruin about this dude who just avenges uh, his family's killer or something. Like he's a hobo. And the guys who made that movie were inspired by the practical effects and, like, aliens and stuff like that. And it's an awesome movie. And the guy, I think he made it for, like, under, like, a million dollars was, like, the total budget. And it was just an awesome movie. So I think if they did that more in sci-fi movies today, it could be good. Yeah, but... And there are some good independent sci-fi movies that still come out. Do you remember when... Because Grant and I grew up in England. Do you remember when we were kids and we would see a preview knowing something was out in the United States and then it would be months before the literal film was shipped over? I just think the landscape has changed now to the point where you have to account for the fact that when the guy at Warner Brothers headquarters pushes the button, Batman v Superman is on screens in Tulsa, Oklahoma, New York City, Beijing, China, Moscow, like all at once. I just don't think that like they're interested in telling the story anymore. They're interested in marketing the product and releasing it simultaneously to have like all the money to get sucked up the funnel before people start picking it apart. Well, that's a double-edged sword because it works in the short term, and then yeah. people, people stop seeing movies because they right. suck so much. But it works in the short term right, for, the, for the distributors, especially because the theater chains make their money as the movie stays in the theater longer. The studio gets the big front-end cut. Yeah, that's what I, I'm pleading with them. I'm pleading with them to see a little further into the future that uh, ruin awaits them because... You know, they're they're making shitty movies, and sooner or later, there's going to be alternatives, like the thing we talked about last week, where you yeah. can see a movie in your living room for $50 or something like that, and or, you know, other forms of entertainment. And people are going to gravitate towards those, especially if it's, you know, cheaply, badly made uh, sci-fi that they're spending, like, $250 million budgets on to get, yep. like, Vin Diesel in there or something. Uh, people are just going to go away. I get you. I mean, yeah, I, at this point, it's starting to, like, if you add up the cost of money you spend on entertainment, why wouldn't you buy, like, a Steam VR rig in the next iteration when they figure out the headset some more? It seems like you'd have a lot more fun doing that than you right. would watching shit. Or, or, or even, mean, if, even if you're not in right. video, you can just pay for more cable channels. Right. So like, you can yeah. watch shit on there for a fraction of the price each month. Yeah, just right. to going to a movie. You can get all the movie channels, for God's sake. And, like, there's, like, 
a hundred different movies showing at any time on all those channels. You can buy like stars and all that stuff, like all the different like stars channels that they have set up there. Yep. Like it just it just maddens me because we're gonna get Star Trek Beyond this next summer, right? Twenty seventeen. Oh, I thought it was this summer, but okay. Oh, okay, maybe it's this summer. I don't, I, I don't, because I, I don't, I'm, you don't fucking yeah. care. I just really, yeah. Because we're gonna get that, and I remember, like last night, I just watched another Star Trek, a classic Star Trek episode, uh, <laughs> the one, the one with Apollo. Yeah, you know, I uh, forget the title, but something about like gods. The, the, it's so like the special effects are cheesy and all that and i get it because it's the 60s and like that's the best they could do but the story was really great and i enjoyed it i watched star trek in the darkness it's like ooh, it's like flashy and stuff and there's no story in fact it's like a redo of wrath of khan a shitty redo here's an interesting thing when i search star trek beyond in google it has like a little side panel that has all the vital stats Producer Roberto Orsi, I guess they put the O back on for him. Story by Gene Roddenberry, mm. possibly a zombie. I guess they ha- they have to say that <laughs> they have to say that. His story credit for Star Trek: The Idea, yeah. Film series Star Trek director Justin Lin, stranded on a hostile planet. Captain Kirk, Chris Pine, Spock, Zachary Quinto, and the rest of the Enterprise crew face an alien threat. How generic and exciting! Release date: July twenty second, twenty sixteen. So we can go see it. Fuck. Maybe yeah, we'll wait yes. till like nobody's in the. You know what you should do. You know what you nobody should do. Nobody be in the theater first no, no, day. No, wait, wait until it clears out and go into like one of the last showings when it's at the end of its run, and you can take the equipment, hide the equipment or something, and you can do a live podcast while you're watching I the think movie. People might notice this, setup. or do it like record it on your phone or something like that. Or I know there's attachments you can get for your phone. Uh, yeah, you know, that yeah. have like microphones and stuff. That's what you should do. You could do that. I mean, yeah, we, we live could, recorded. We could go see it and then Im- immediately talk about it while it's still fresh. I mean, there's lots of possibilities. We could dress up like Mr. Spock and go. No. No? no. You I have a Star Trek shirt. We could get Vulcan I have ears. to go as um, that one guy. Again, I don't know Star Trek that well, but that one guy who has, like, the Russian accent. Chekhov? Yeah. Justin can go as Nurse Ogawa. Why are you going as Chekhov? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I'd be like close to Chekhov. Because he's a drunken Spock. wreck. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I'm just saying you get Mr. Spock ears and... Justin can go as a Ferengi. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> just get giant ears to paste that on. That would and... be pretty funny, actually. Don't they have like a big forehead? Like they need to get like a big wrinkles on there or something like that? Yeah. It's Klingons. Oh, that's Klingons. Well, they, they, have, they have like the, yeah, the, the, big, the big like forehead lobes thing. Uh, the Klingons have the... the the ridge thing. Oh. The Frankies just have this, like, two bubble things right here in their forehead. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then they have big ears and, like, a spiny nose okay. Yeah, I can picture them now. It's... Yeah. Yeah, that'd be awesome. You can call the little 16-year-old attendants humans, tell them to give you your tickets. Or you can be really Are ironic they, um... and dress up as a stormtrooper. <laughs> that would be great, to dress up like a stormtroopers and imperial officers and go yeah. to the Star Trek movie, like... <laughs> Oh hey guys, shit! What's up? We thought it was Star Wars. <laughs> Wait, are the uh, are the Ferengi in the new ones? No, no, not yet, not yet. Maybe they'll show up in this one. Okay, because you Trying know they, to cheat Captain Kirk at they dice made the, or something. They made the Klingons in the last one, which yeah, they were they were kind of just like cameos. Actually, though, that, that was not <laughs> the worst Klingon thing I've seen. The worst Klingon thing ever is the Star Trek Enterprise one where Uncle Phil 
is in there trying to cure their head ridge disease. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole Enterprise thing about how they explain, like, why the Klingons in the original series look like humans. In brown makeup. Yeah. 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 Wait, so, what? In, like, the uh, 1960s Star <clears throat> series, the, the Klingons were just guys with black beards and black hair and, like, some, like, basically guys with tans. Black, sure. They had black face makeup, pretty much. Yeah, but some of them looked like they were just fucking tanned, honestly, like they'd just been outside. Mm-hmm. And... Then in like Next Generation, you're thinking of, or the movies slash Next Generation, you're thinking of the Klingons with the head ridges and shit and like the big jack guys with long hair. Yeah. So they explain in Star Trek Enterprise, the one that was on UPN or whatever and was a miserable failure with Scott Bakula, they try to have some insane backstory on why the, you know, they got a virus that mutated their foreheads. And the Klingon scientist who's trying to get to the bottom of this is Uncle Phil from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. So it takes you immediately right out of the story because you're like, oh, it's, it's Uncle, Uncle Phil. Phil is like a classically trained <laughs> actor that like does all this weird shit like that. Uh, he's the voice of the Shredder in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Did you know the old series? Yeah, I, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's he's been he's, the, or he's he was done, in a lot of shit. He's done yeah. a lot of voice work, or he did a lot of. He's dead. Yeah, now, he's dead. But, he's not yeah. doing any more voice work, unfortunately. Yeah. But that I, that was the worst thing with Klingons I've seen so far. Maybe they'll show up in Star Trek Beyond. But that, yeah, because like, you know, they people hadn't seen him for like more than a decade on the screen, and then Star Trek: The Motion Picture came out, and then the Klingons are in the first sequence, and they have the head ridges and stuff, and people were like, "What?" Like, <laughs> they got a clear redesign for right. the film, very clear. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? What are we doing think, next week? Just curiosity. Don't ruin the surprise. Just okay. The surprise is we don't know yet. <laughs> So it will be a surprise to everybody. I mean, I have a couple ideas of movies that I've been wanting to see. I just never got around to. So, All right, spin the wheel. What is it? Shut um, up. What was that movie that came out last year? Ex Machina I never saw. Okay. Um, what was the one with the wormholes at the end and driving a Lincoln? Oh, my God. Interstellar? Yeah, I never saw that. <laughs> well, uh, probably have a good argument about that film. That would be like a five pages of questions film. Oh, really? No, like in a funny way. Like, why is Matthew McConaughey climbing through an interdimensional bookshelf at the end? Well, I will do. <laughs> you know what? If we did that one, I would defend it. Okay. I think it's a pretty um, decent movie, but it's just sometimes it's like, what the fuck is happening? There's think of other Moon. Sci-fi movies. You mentioned Moon. Moon. A few weeks yeah, ago. I, I haven't yeah. seen Moon in a while. That's a great movie. We can't spoil it for anybody, though, in case they haven't seen it. Right, in case they're yeah. still stuck in 2009. That, that is actually a good movie. If anyone's watching and hasn't seen that, or listening and hasn't seen that, go watch it. Do you want to watch that? We could. For next week? Okay. I mean, there's a lot to talk about in there. Yeah. All right. Okay. Moon it is. We're going to moon the audience. Well, what year did it come out? I don't know if there's like multiple moon things. 2009. 2009? All yeah. right. Moon, 2009. Sam, Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. Yeah. Also known as uh, the guy from Iron Man 2. What is he in Iron Justin Man? Justin Hammer. Justin Hammer, the, the poor guy's Tony Stark who <laughs> fails at everything. Well, I mean, that was the, the whole point. <laughs> yeah. That was the point of the yeah. movie or his character. Right. I'm surprised he hasn't shown up again, actually. Well, he's in, his character's in prison or something now, right? Yeah. Yeah, the Joker's locked up in Arkham Asylum. He's never going to get out. Well, no, he isn't because he's dead. No, no, but he showed up in uh, Batman v Superman. Oh, son of a bitch. He was pretending to be Lex Luthor. 
Oh, was it the same? But it was really the Joker. Is it the same stupid looking Joker that was in like those? The one that looks like he's on meth or something. No, no, the Joker who has like damage tattooed in his forehead. Yeah, and he's, like the, the mom's gonna <laughs> freak thing. Yeah, yeah. No, no, that's Jared Leto. But is he, it, was that the same Joker in Batman vs Superman? No, no, no. I, I I'm kidding. Uh, Jesse, I, is Jesse Eisenberg? Mark Zuckerberg from the Facebook movie plays sure. Lex Luthor Jr. They yeah. put that in parentheses, uh, and he acts like he's the Joker. Like but oh. clearly, he's trying to do his Heath Ledger interpretation of Lex Luthor because he just acts like a weird freak who won't shut up and is like twitching all the time. Yeah, he acts like he has like some stereotypical kind of yeah. autism and like is <laughs> feeding people Jolly Ranchers. <laughs> like just. Yeah, okay, that's, that's, that's bizarre. That's, he does the double autism pose quite a quite a bit. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> no, Jared Leto is the Joker in Suicide Squad, who's got all the tats and shit, and is like wearing the vinyl raincoat and looks like he's about to go to a gay club. That looks like it's gonna bomb. Just saying, but 